Welcome to Easy Reading with Meg Dada. We will be taking the second part of chapter 4 of the book The Complete Parents by Nancy Van Pelt. Modern day tar and feathering techniques. It will be convenient if we could rely entirely on respect, certain limits, rules and reasoning, action and natural consequences to discipline children. But such methods are not always sufficient. At times, punishment is necessary. No children are so well behaved, at least not children I have ever heard of, that they need no punishment at all. Punishment is most necessary in three situations. The first involves repeated misbehavior. You have talked to three-year-old Katzi about staying out of the street and playing in the backyard. However, she continues to cross the street to play with friends. Since all warnings have failed, Katzi needs punishment to help her learn the lesson. Second, punishment is necessary also when a child's safety is involved. If you find your child trying to climb over a fence, to get to the swimming pool. A simple statement like, we swim only when mommy or daddy are with you. You may not go to the pool alone, followed by a swat or two on the bottom can teach this lesson quickly. A similar approach may be used with all potential dangers, guns, knives, matches, or poisons. Third, Punish when your child deliberately challenges your authority. Every time your child disobeys you, you must take your brain off automatic pilot and ascertain the child's motives. Let's say your child forgets to feed the dog or has his bike stolen after leaving it outside or loses a library book. Such actions are not normally direct challenges to authority, but result from a lack of maturity and experience. We do not want to punish a child for being a child and demonstrating childish characteristics. However, if your youngster challenges and divides you, if he manifests a cool and calculated rebellion, it becomes necessary to choose an arbitrary punishment. Suppose that you have forbidden your child to swim while you are not home or that you have asked your child not to go near a certain area after school or that you want him to wait <clears throat> excuse me in a certain spot until you return unless your child complies with your request this will represent blatant challenges to your authority as a parent children begin to challenge authority at an early age you can generally tell a challenge by the glint in the child's eye as it puts you to test and pushes you to the limit. When a child responds in this manner, he is really asking one question. Who is in control in this home, you or me? Parents need to settle this question for the child early or they will find themselves being repeatedly tested throughout all the years to come. And usually the test will get heavier as the years go by with the children become increasingly difficult to manage as they strive to push 
Father, beyond the limits you have set, there are three basic methods of arbitrary punishment. If the misbehavior is not a direct challenge to your authority, the first two methods are probably satisfactory. Deprivation. Deprivation involves the restriction or removal from the child's environment of something which is important to him. Suppose your five-year-old scribbles on the walls with his crayon. Because there are no natural consequences for scribbling on walls, you must sell, select an arbitrary one for this misbehavior. You might tell him, David, you are old enough to know that you should not draw on the walls with crayons. I'm going to take your crayons away for a few days. This will help you remember that crayons are to be used on paper, not on the walls. Here is a cloth with a special cleanser on it that will help you scrub the marks of the wall. Try to make deprivation relative to the misbehavior. If Mary leaves your, her bike in the driveway so that so dad can't pull in with the car, take away her bike. If there is bickery over a game of, so, of sorry, put the game away. However, when depriving a child of something important to him, make the amount of time reasonable. To deprive a five-year-old television of television for a month is unreasonable. The punishment will become meaningless to him, and there is no incentive for him to improve so that he can watch television again. To deprive him of television for a few days will be reasonable and would also give him incentive to improve his, his behavior. A child recognizes the relevance and justice of punishments. Isolation. Another arbitrary method of punishment includes sending a child to his room, standing him in a corner, or having him sit on a chair. Nine-year-old Barry disrupts a game with a group of neighbor children in the backyard. Mother might say, I see that you are having difficulty getting along with others today. It upsets me to see children hitting each other, bossing and pushing. I'm going to send you to your room to play by yourself until you can tell me that you are able to control your actions. Mother made her punishment open-ended. As soon as Barry initiated good behavior, he could rejoin the play. Don't make the child feel that he must remain in his room forever. The purpose of sending him to his room is to effect a change in his behavior, not to isolate him permanently. Let him know that as soon as he can change his actions, and can play reasonably well with others again. He may come and tell you and then go back to his place. Spankings are another arbitrary consequence of misbehavior that are sometimes necessary when other results fail. Most parents hesitate to admit it, but the main purpose in spanking a child is to relieve the feelings of frustration. And almost every parent who has ever lived has become frustrated by certain disruptive behaviors, gotten angry, lost his temper, and a swift spanking was the result. This may relieve the parent's frustration, but what of the child? Hostility and rebellion can quickly mount within a child when parents behave violently themselves. If parents yell and scream, lash out emotionally, or whip their child unmercilessly, for accidents and mistakes, they will serve as models for their children to imitate. 
this kind of parental violence is, is oceans away from a proper disciplinary approach. However, if a child lowers his head, clenches his fist, and dares the parent to take him on, a proper parental reaction involves responding on the backside. Parents should not allow a child to gain an advantage over them in a single instance. A spanking administered in love can teach a child a valuable lesson, but a parent cannot be rational or loving in a state of anger. It may be necessary to go to another room to regain one's composure before administering the spanking. Too often, punishment and criticism go together with cold, lecture, and label a child bad in an effort to correct him. Such punishment rarely corrects the behavior. It merely belittles the child. Restricting disobedience is enough punishment without need for calling the child bad or making him feel like a worthless person. And once he had he has indicated that he wants to change his behavior, allow him back into the good graces of the family without a word of humiliation or shame. Sometimes parents confess that the spanking does not seem to work. This usually occurs for one or more reasons. One, lack of consistency. This is the biggest problem with parents. One day they will tolerate a misbehavior and the next day they punish the child for it. It becomes difficult for the child to understand, even when spanking is employed, that a misbehavior will not be allowed when one time he gets away with it and the next with he time he does not. Two, strong-willed child. Some children are extremely strong-willed. In class, we frequently ask how many parents have a strong-willed child. And usually, half the class or more affirms with a raised hand. The strong-willed youngster may continuously repeat the misbehavior in order to gain control over the parent, even though he is spanked time and again for the same misbehavior. He continues to defy his parent. This child is engaged in a past struggle with his parent. Thus, the parent needs to be cheered for a long and strenuous battle. The parent must become stronger, more consistent and patient, determined to outlast the child's stubborn behavior. It is a difficult experience to battle the strong-willed child, but tremendous rewards will be reaped in the years to come from efforts expended today. 3. Delay action. Parents often allow small misbehaviors to pass unnoticed. A few months later, they realize that yesterday's small problem has become a monumental problem. In an effort to correct the situation, they clamp down, they spank and spank, but see no results. Such parents need to remember that bad habits have taken root. These habits can probably be corrected, but only in time and with consistent patient work. It may take the youngster time to realize that his parents will not permit this behavior again. 4. Spankings that don't hurt. Some parents are afraid of spanking their child for fear of hurting him. If it doesn't hurt, don't bother. A spanking utilizes pain as both a punishment and a deterrent. If it doesn't hurt, it will hardly deter a child from repeating the misbehavior. The message a spanking should carry cannot usually be understood through several layers of pampas. 
through heavy chains or, or cords or by gentle smacks of the hand. Never, never should a child be beaten into submission, but he should be able to feel the message. To spank or not to spank. A parent should not use spankings as a cure-all for all types of misbehavior or they will lose the effectiveness. Parents should learn to distinguish between what Dr. Dumpsey calls childish irresponsibility and challenges to authority. However, when a youngster directly challenges your authority, when he displays attitudes of direct defiance or says in word and deed, I will not do as you have asked me to do or you can't make me, he needs to be dealt with in a strong way. This is a time for action, not the time for a mild discussion on what on why it is important to listen to mommy's or daddy's opinions. This is not the time to put him in the corner to think about his actions. It isn't the time to put him down for a nap or to send him to grandma's or to start him in nursery school. When the child first challenges parental authority in a defiant way, parents must listen to the, to the hidden question as well as the spoken question. When the child says, I won't do it, and you can't make me, what is the hidden meaning? Probably he is asking, who is in control in this home? Can I be bigger and greater than you? Could I win this battle with you? It is important that parents recognize challenges to their, to their authority early and answer conclusively the question the child wants answered. If they don't, he will likely challenge them and test them repeatedly. A child will often resist control, but he wants and needs it. You must earn the right to administer such control by taking a firm stand at the appropriate time. This will likely include a sound spanking from time to time when your child has deliberately challenged your authority. Parents frequently ask if a child should be allowed to cry after a spanking, and if so, is there a limit? I know of a father who will spank his child firmly and then demand that the child stop crying this instant. He would stand above the child after the spanking and threaten more of the same if the child cried. The crying and tears that accompany a spanking are a healthy release of emotions and should be allowed. However, real crying can quickly change from the hurt of the moment to a weapon the child uses against the enemy. Rarely does real crying exceed much more than two or five minutes. Crying that continues beyond this point usually changes in intensity and tone and becomes protest, cr protest crying. At this point, it might become necessary to offer the alternatives, stop the crying or receive another and harder spanking. A teenager should not be spanked. Your teenager may blatantly defy your authority and break all the rules, but a spanking is not the answer. Why? A teenager is entering the adult world. He considers spankings for babies and deep resentment could grow from such an experience. When a Rodney was 14, he not only def defiantly disobeyed me, but went 10 miles beyond. I was furious to see such defiance. I remember him lying on his bed as my mind grappled with how to deal with such disobedience. In my frustration, I could only think of wiping him, and I began searching for an instrument that might work. 
there on the floor i spied a broken hockey stick as i raised it to teach him a lesson he would never forget he spoke mom if you do that i'll never forgive you there i stood with the hockey stick in media the moment of decision came and went consistency has always been my byword. i carried out the whipping but not as severally as i had originally intended when i had finished i allowed him to cry i felt most unhappy with my decision to follow through with the spanking i had chosen the wrong course of action and i knew it i begged his forgiveness and he refused to give it i told him i would do I will not leave his room until I received it. And now or two later, he finally forgave me and we prayed together. I have never forgotten the lesson I learned that day. Spankings are a serious affront to teenagers, a demeaning attack on their imagined self-worth. When a teenager defies authority, he must also be dealt with in a firm way, but it should involve a loss of privileges, phone, car, allowance, going out with friends, not spankings. Generally speaking, children under six months of age should not be spanked either. At this point, it might be wise to define what I consider a spanking to involve. A spanking is not a mild slap on the hand or bottom on a wiggling or mischievous child. A spanking is a series of swift swats with a hand or an instrument for the purpose of teaching the child a lesson and reforming his behavior. Children under six months should not be spanked in this manner because a youngster of this age does not possess the understanding needed to acknowledge wrong behavior and correct it. However, a mild or even a sharp spank on the hand or bottom can quickly change even an infant's behavior, but I do not consider this a spanking. Some parents prefer to use their hands when spanking and some prefer a paddle, a switch, a board, or a belt. The, the hand may be effective for a younger child, and the parent can then easily gauge how hard he is administering the punishment. However, it might be difficult to teach a hefty nine-year-old a lesson with only a hand. It is better to have a chosen item in the house for this purpose. The trip around the house to find it can be part of your cooling down process. Never spank a child with a split or broken board or anything with metal on it. There is a padded area of the anatomy that readily lends itself to spanking. Since there are no blood vessels near the surface of the buttocks, the chance of injuring the child is minimal if you spank there. <clears throat> Excuse me. The legs may also be spanked. When spanking a child's hand, always spank when his palm is up, as opposed to hitting his knuckles, where blood vessels could be damaged. Never slap or spank a child on the head or face. This could result in permanent damage to the head or ears. Support the child's body over your lap, a chair, or bed when spanking. Avoid holding the child by one hand and flailing away at him. The back needs support. Teach your child early to accept a spanking when it is due. Do not allow your child to run from you, forcing you to chase him in order to carry out the punishment. Dr. Dobson 
feels that a parent should have his or her child so well under control by age eight or nine that spankings will be needed only on rare occasions beyond that point. This is the goal towards which a conscientious parent should work. As an eight or nine-year-old child who can control his own behavior without the threat of spankings, use spankings sparingly during the years of nine to 12. Whenever a severe whipping is necessary, carry it out in such a way that it will spare the child's self-respect. Spankings should not be given in the presence of other people. It is enough if other children in the family perceive the situation at the distance. Public punishments develop within a child bitterness and loss of self-respect. Most parents resort to spanking too frequently. If you find yourself constantly falling back to the use of your hand to control your child, perhaps you should reevaluate re your entire disciplinary system. However, if milder measures prove ineffective, a spanking that will bring a child to his senses should be administered in love. Sometimes one such correction will be enough for a lifetime. And remember that it is rarely necessary to whip a child in order to teach him a lesson. In dealing with children, a little pain usually goes a long way. Before you spank a child, make sure that he understands clearly why you are punishing him. He must know what rules he violated and that such disobedience results in punishment. When his tears have subsided, he may often want to be held, which is an excellent time to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with him. You can tell him how much you love him, how much he means to you, how much God loves him, and how much it hurts God to see any of us disobey his laws. You can also explain what to do next time so he can avoid the difficulty. This kind of communication is not possible through other disciplinary means, like sending a child to his room or standing him in a corner, for they tend to build up hostile feelings of resentment without a quick venting of feelings and the access to love and reassurance afterwards. The difficult child. Guilty as charged. Parents blame themselves for their child's behavior. Alan Skolnick in Psychology Today referred to this fallacy. Most child care advisors assume that if the parents administer the proper prescriptions, the child will develop it as planned. It places extra exaggerated faith not only in the perfectibility of the children and their parents, but in the invaluability of the particular child rearing techniques as well. Page 56, <clears throat> excuse me. From experience, I have learned that there is more to rearing kids than parental training and proper use of methods. It took 12 years of personal research to excavate the missing dimension. How is it to pass hasty judgment on parents when we see them having problems with a child? But what happens to this theory when other children in the family develop into responsible, mature adults? Researchers now tell us that a child's individual temperament type likely determines his reaction to life. The temperamental differences that show up in infancy are good indicators of the child's temperament in later years. <clears throat> Excuse me. Dr. Carol Tomlinson, KC in Child's Eye View, who solved 
the mystery of the unknown ingredient for me graphically describes marvelous margarita and difficult darren have used derived from the work of thomas and chess who tested over 500 infants and identified three common patterns of temperament marvelous margarita the easy happy child adapts to all situations quickly and easily she readily sleeps through the night and rarely refuses to get her way she is prone to smile cool and giggle most of the time and rarely speeds up she will eat when you have the time and energy to feed her and is non-demanding in every way unfortunately harry and i were not blessed with a child in this category but fortunately for the parents of the world approximately 40 percent of all children fit into this pattern <clears throat> excuse me on the other end of the scale are the difficult gerings who refuse to accept new situations they are very irregular in their lifestyle patterns and are slow to adapt to any change they can be classified as negative and sensitive in temperament in short they are difficult children about one in every 10 children could be labeled as a difficult diary. The third category of children adjust to life more slowly than Margarita, but most rapidly than diary. This child might be labeled slow to warm up Steve. He meets his first experiences with mildly negative reaction, but not as intensely as diary or as easily as Margarita. This child quietly withdraws from new situations, but will adapt in time. Parents should not pressure such a child, but should encourage him and deal with him patiently. Thomas and Chess undertook their research to discover if the temperament determined in infancy could be used as an indicator of the person's temperament <coughs> Excuse me. in later years. Would a marvelous margarita or a difficult diary still be marvelous or difficult 10 to 15 years down the line? by following 500 youngsters over a period of several months to 10 or more years thomas and chess proved that the difficult infant is likely to be a difficult child later on when parents can early identify the difficult child they can be given the extra amount of support patience and encouragement needed to cope Dr. Kesey points out the futility of blaming parents because the child refuses to sleep through the night or screams when left with a sitter. Frequently, parents of a marvelous margarita fail to understand their friends who must battle with a difficult gyrant. They confidently reason, if you would only follow the guidelines of parenting, your child wouldn't behave like that. Parents with children of both categories must understand that a gyrant will be difficult to control regardless of the parent's competence or the methods they use. If you are struggling daily with a difficult daring, how can you cope? First, recognize that your child is not deliberately trying to destroy your life. Second, recognize that you are not the cause of your child's difficulties. Third, stop comparing your daring with a margarita. Then, you can try to make changes in the child's life as painlessly and gradually as possible. Your child will frequently need more love and attention than other children. See that he gets it. Respond to him in much the same way you would to a difficult adult. Keep the stereo down. Make changes gradually. Feed him more often if necessary. Keep calm when he is especially irritable. 
and enjoy him during his good smells spells another hint invest in a rocker don't underestimate the suiting power found in singing to the rocking and a daring if you are a full-time parent to a daring you should take time off from your demanding job leave him with a sitter at least once a week while you take a turn at something creative if you are the parent of a marvelous margarita, you will have little need for these suggestions. But parents are slow to warm up. Children might benefit from such suggestions as well. A word of caution. Even though the difficult child will ch challenge your patience, tax your ability, stretch your proficiency, and test your creativity, do not give up on this child. Do not blame yourself for the child's problems. Exhaust your resources for learning how to cope with such a child and then lean on a higher power for strength and courage to meet the next problem. The operative word here is obedience. Ideally, a child should obey immediately without asking questions and, if necessary, without explanation. If you are a law-abiding citizen, you obey the laws of the land because they are to be obeyed, not because you have tested or thought out every law. Likewise, a child who does not respond immediately is not really obeying. A child learns rapidly how often a teacher will repeat requests before enforcing it, and he will inevitably wait for the umpteenth repetition of the request before complying. On the other hand, he learns with equal alacrity to obey when the teacher false peaks if he knows the request will not be repeated obedience should be carried out at once and without argument a child should not be allowed to obey when he gets ready to or when he feels like it if the timing is not critical such a picking such as picking up a toy saying please or thank you you would be wise to time carefully your request and provide an opportunity for the child to choose to obey Children are inexperienced. They often cannot see the necessity of doing immediately what they are told. They lack the wisdom to see from cause to effect. Work with your child wisely, patiently and lovingly if the matter of timing is not crucial at that moment. However, certain matters need to be carried out at once. When an accident is about to occur, when you must meet appointments and the like, Never allow your child to argue about the fairness or reasonableness of a rule when he subjects a rule to request is or request is unfair or unreasonable. Bring it up for discussion at a family conference or related to the incident. Once you allow argument of fairness to succeed, your child may use the tactic against you every time an issue surfaces and do not get trapped into making one exception after another stay cool calm and collected let the child know that that's the way it is take the attitude that the rule will be followed even if you get nothing else done all day you can last longer than your child protest will go away if you do not reinforce them by giving in too many parents take the line of least resistance anything to avoid a sin Okay, I'll let it go this time, but you will have to do it the first thing when you get home. We do not usually require enough of our children. We need to tighten or discipline and insist on better performance. 
learn to tell a child something only once before following up with reinforcement. If your darling has already become adjusted to years of chronic nagging, surprising by limiting your request to the spoken only once kind, then either drop the subject or enforce it. A hint to the wise, avoid discipline in matters which you cannot enforce. For this reason, it is unwise to command a child, stop crying, go to the bathroom, go to sleep. In learning to instruct your child properly, choose the first lessons carefully. Pick subjects you are the master of, if only because you are bigger and until the child accepts your lessons as incontestable. Avoid subjects which might reveal your weakness. If at, if at some point you lose control and shout at your child, stop that crying this instant. Just bite your tongue and change the subject. It does little good to pursue a lost cause. Remember, too, that even the most brilliant student can master only a few new subjects at one time. Too much discipline, too much to learn at one time, results only in confusion and predictable failure which can lead to a stubborn unwillingness to learn. Teach only four or five things at a time and continue to teach them until they are mastered. Then pause to let the child enjoy the fruits of his success before moving on to other lessons in discipline. It takes real character on the part of parents to teach obedience because a child is not always in harmony with parental decisions, but Parents cannot take a popularity poll every week to see how they are digging, are doing in the eyes of their child. Parents are not running for an office. They hold an office and it is their duty to fill that office. On the other hand, we should tenderly forgive when a child confesses disobedience. Little feet are easily led astray. Little tongues wander naturally from the truth. Little hands find many things to get into. Let us not forget that in requiring obedience, loving mothers and fathers, teach mercy and kindness. Discipline is almost a 20-year project. The parents do their part along with the church, the school, community agencies, and the society in general. Slowly, during those 20 years, the parents relinquish control as their child gradually develops inner strengths. Eventually, he can take full responsibility for his actions and enter society as a mature and responsible adult who can attain his long-term dreams without endless detours down dead-end lanes in vain attempts to satisfy every short-term impulse. Wow. We have come to the end of this chapter and this episode. Thank you very much. Now, if you come across this um, audio and uh, you know that you are not yet born again, this is the time for you to do that. How do you do it? Just accept that you are a sinner and genuinely confess your sin. Repent of it. Ask God to cleanse you of your sins with the blood of Jesus. And confess with your mouth that you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That settles it. And your name will be written in the book of life. Then you start reading your Bible on daily basis. 
go to Bible believing church where the word of God is preached in truth and in spirit. Then ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit that will help you to live a godly life and to be able to live a perfect life that would, and he will always guide and direct you. God bless you till I see you in the next episode.